Hello and welcome to VolleyMD. We're hitting you with another quick topic. And the topic today is going to be situational coaching, random Q&A questions on the fly. Yep. Coach Mark and I have got uh, two random questions for each other today that are actually going to be just spur of the moment. We got to be able to just answer them on the fly. And, and we have to do that a lot of times as coaches. We got to figure out situations. They just come at you in your face sometimes real quickly and you got to know how to handle them. So we're going to kind of do that. And uh, we don't know what the questions are, so they're going to be completely random. Uh, Mark's going to go first and then I'm going to ask him something and we're going to kind of discuss these, these questions and topics. So it'll be fun. Well, I got one, not for a tournament, but uh, in practice. So what do you do if uh, you have a parent that tells you not to talk to their kid without them present? Not talking to them without them present. Oh, okay, well, um, I would have a major issue with that, obviously. <laughs> um, I think, you know, you're going to have these situations where parents are going to do and say things that are off the wall. And usually those are uh, emotional responses, right? Because something's going on. Um, for me, I'm going to immediately, um, as, as, as quickly as I can, handle that situation with that parent first. Like, okay, well, why did you tell me I can't? I can't talk to your kid like what's going on right and these things do happen sometimes it hasn't happened in a while to me but i definitely think your communication needs to be first with your player you know you've got to be you're in a practice you've got to be able to handle things with your players as you go because there's going to be tough moments where you know players get upset they get mad at this girl or that girl said this or this coach did that or blah 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 you know it's just it's always going to be there's always something out there you have to handle um and I, I think, you know, those challenges come at you um, and you've got to be able to handle them um, with um, graciously and you've got to be, try to remain calm and keep your emotions in check as well as a coach. Um, if I know I have I'm on edge with a player or something and she's just, you know, not responding well to me, I'm going to maybe try to at least at first reach out to that player and say, hey, how can we do better? How can we connect? How can I help you better as a coach? Um, how can we meet your needs, you know, and, and work to better, better as a team, you know, a coach and player, uh, relationship. Right. And then I'm also going to talk to that parent and I'm going to say, Hey, how can we better this situation? Whatever the case may be. And communication is key. We always talk about that. Right. And, um, if you can find a way to work together, um, without having a director or something getting involved, then that's better. But sometimes you, you know, we, we have to get directors involved and apparently we're already in a preseason uh, situation with one of our, you know, one of our teams at our club and they're already having to deal with issues and we haven't even had a tournament yet. I'm like, okay. Uh, Mark's just telling me about this we won't go into details, but we've heard, you know, there are of these things and there, there's just parents that are very, very needy and they, they, they're, they're, those needs have to be, you have to deal with them. So anyway, um, how did I answer your question? Did you like that, Mark? <laughs> I think you beat around the bush a little bit. No. Oh. <laughs> no, it was fine. I, you know, I agree with you in the sense that you want to make sure that you're, you're trying to meet the girl's needs, but trying to figure out why you, why you can't communicate with her. Uh, for me, I would probably get the assistant involved because you want to protect sure. yourself, you know, especially with coaching girls as guys, you want to get, you know, someone else involved and, and whether that's just a, uh, another parent or maybe uh, your assistant coach, 
uh, for me, you know, I had a, had a female assistant coach. And so that the, the directive was a little bit easier for her to kind of talk to that, that female coach and just understand some of the situations, but you're going to get those. Did this happen to you? Is this why you're asking this question? It's just kind of happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was more that, uh, she didn't feel comfortable because she didn't think her needs would be addressed. Right. So the, yeah, the parent so she, wanted to, and it was a, it was a father bear, you know, he, he wanted to protect the, the kid. And yeah. even the mom said she, um, uh, he was a little bit overbearing too in, in situations, but you know, it, it was an interesting situation where it caught me off guard and, and I've never had a situation like that yeah. before, but you know, got my assistant involved and she was more the one to communicate with her for, for a lot of things. But, um, you know, I felt like our relationship got a little bit better, of course, mm -hmm. as the season went on. But yeah, just an odd situation to to be fair. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's that's a good point. You know, whenever you're coaching, your assistant's there to help you in all those situations. And it's always good for your protection to always have your assistant involved in any situation where you're communicating with your players or to parents. Because um, a lot of times parents, they, especially parents, they, they can be overbearing or they can be aggressive and there's those certain type of situations. And sometimes it's hard to handle that all on your own. And sometimes they may come out of just right field and just out of nowhere and get you. I've even heard parent, uh, parents like almost attacking coaches in the parking lot like, okay, here he comes. Get out of the car. Let's go. You know, yeah. and actually going and having a conversation as they're walking out of the building like, that kind of stuff is wild, but it, it's never happened to me that way. But I, I will say, yeah, I mean, definitely try to get your your assistants involved and directors if need be. And then, like I said, communicate, find a way to work through things, because um, at the end of the day, you're all you're all there for the player. You're trying you're there for their benefit. And we got to all work together in order to to make that situation best as possible. And then there's just parents that they just have it out for you. You know, I think this is for you. This is one of those parents. Yeah, they had it out for you. And, you know, you're just you're kind of a sitting duck there. Right. Unrealistic <laughs> expectations is just an interesting. Yeah. Interesting dilemma. But grateful to say I haven't had many of those situations. Yeah, they have. I mean, when you've been coaching for a long time, they're going to happen every once in a while. Right. Yep. And that's that's where like sometimes those one or two parents, they can make or break your team and your season because mm -hmm. uh, they can sometimes divide you and divide your 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 team and even coaches I've seen to uh, to have their way just you know to get get what they want and that's where we have to protect ourselves you know and and try to he head off those situations before they get before they get bad right um, so like I say cl clear communication. And working with your players and your parents is critical. Yep. So, all right, on to you. What's your question for me? All right, quick topic question number two. All right, when you're picking a team, Coach Mark, how many players is the perfect number and why? I like ten. <laughs> <laughs> I like ten. You know, it, this is yeah. very situational, though. I feel like. Oh right? yeah. So ten has been about the magic number, without injury. Right. Right. And so you have the perfect amount of subs. You have a ability to have a couple players play around one libero, mm -hmm. all that. The scenarios there, um, you know, we have a situation where we have a couple teams this year with 12 players where a couple one, we have to kind of be creative, maybe two liberos, um, you know, a sub or rotational sub. But I, I think, I think it's beneficial to have like, you know, outsides play around mm -hmm. and, and get that, that feel. Cause you know, 
you take one player out of the game, sometimes they kind of don't stay in that mode of competition. But uh, 10 has been about the sweet spot for me. We had 10 last year. Thankfully, we didn't have too many injuries, and it kind of worked out yeah. pretty well. We started out with 11, actually. We and did. Then we, had a, <laughs> then we had one sniped from us to the top team. They took took her the last second. But um, I think you beat around the bush a little bit to the mark. So let's, let me add a few more things to that. Wow. I think uh, there's a lot more drama to uh, taking more, more, more players than you need than a lot of coaches expect. Only if it's set up the right way. 12 players in a lot of situations is really, really hard. Uh, we mentioned earlier there was a team that is already kind of having some issues. And I think they have 12, right? Yeah, we have we have a couple teams with 12. And, yeah. um, you know, sometimes it'll be early issues and maybe sometimes it'll be later on. Later on it's, issues. There's, you're going to have an issue. But playing time is obviously the, yeah. the hard thing. You, gotta ha you have to have a game plan. Like if you're a coach... And you're like, all right, I'm taking this 12th player. you got to know exactly what you're going to be doing with all of those players. Because if you don't, you don't have a plan for those players. You're just taking them because, oh, I like that kid. Or, oh, she's good. And maybe she could help us. Well, maybe you see something now, but later on she's not as good. Or maybe another player you thought was going to be good is, you know, doing nothing. And then they take their place. And then you have a lot of – you just have a lot of uh, potential issues with playing time with 12. And that's that's the the problem with twelve. Now the benefit of twelve is you can scrimmage, right? You can consistently yeah. have inner squad scrimmage. You can play six on six, and you can get a lot of gameplay. So for maybe for older teams, um, twelve with more potential of injuries is a pro versus you know the con of of playing time, obviously. But um, that's kind of my thoughts on twelve. Anything else? Uh, well, I think you, you hit it on the nose. You you need to have a plan. If you don't yeah. have a plan, so I've I've heard of some coaches that, let's say they have uh, three outsides. They right. literally play. One rotation goes around. The next person goes in, and the next person goes in. So you have three people playing in that same position for subs, and I think that's the wrong way to do it. Just because you're not giving those people, those girls, those athletes, enough time to uh, get an opportunity to show what they have. And I've heard parents actually. Uh, dislike that system as well but yeah you have to have a plan and you have to understand if you're taking 12 you maybe have a, a project player a utility or somebody that knows 100 percent they're not going to get as much playing time if that yeah. is not on on the, the <clears throat> list of discussion points for that parent you're going to have a lot of issues right so and and i think also too one thing that's worth mentioning that we haven't talked about is like positionally like setting up your team the right way like you need to have the right number of, of setters, hitters, blocker, you know, middle blockers, DSs. I mean, if you're unproportionate and, and that way you have extra players, then you're really setting yourself up to be hosed when it comes to playing time because you're going to have extra players just lying around and you, you don't know what to do with, right? Um, 11 is kind of that number where it's like it, there's always that one kid who's sitting out. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part about 11. And it's – it's tough because, you know, when you have that one kid on the bench who's not playing, what are they usually doing down there? What are they talking about? You know, and it's kind of like, you know, it's hard because they may even deserve to be on the court a little bit here and there. But if you get in a rhythm and, you know, you hate to change things, especially in big games, that it's, things are working. So it's it's hard. You want your kids to all get playing time. You want them. But you're not always able to do that. And in 11 situation, 11 players, I feel like there is like that, always that one kid that doesn't get as much playing time. So 
Yeah. I don't know. It, you, it, you need that 11th player just in case of, of injury, of injury. or yeah. uh, this play, person's not doing as well. But yeah, what what do you do if everybody's on? You, yeah. you can't change up the rhythm, I guess. And, and you, you got to give the opportunity to, to for these girls to show what they can. But then you get day three of a championship, gold medal match. You know, you got to play your best, right? Yeah. And, and 10, 10 is like a great number two, like you said. That's like probably the ideal thing if everybody's playing well. Yeah. And if you don't have any injuries at all and that's last year we had 10 and we actually had a few players that didn't play as much even with even with 10 because our outsides would play all the way around right and they played great back row so it was hard because even with 10 in that situation we were usually we were usually uh using eight players predominantly mm-hmm. um and then we would work those other other two in and they did contribute they did and they did well at times but you Get in that situation where the game's on the line. You want your best players, the players playing strong on the court. So, um, anyway, some thoughts for you guys when you're picking a team. Maybe you know, go go through that checklist and kind of figure out, you know, what do I want? You know, where the, what are the positions I have? How how is all this going to work before I take this extra or maybe even that two extra players, um, ten versus eleven versus twelve, uh, when it comes to club volleyball. And school is all, always different, right? School, yeah. like we have, var- there, there's some varsities in this area in North Texas. They have like 25 kids on the mm. bench. And we're like, what are those kids, what are they doing over there? You know, but um, when you're taking a club team, it's obviously quite a bit different. Yeah, I even heard uh, 14 this year. Wow, for club? For club? Yeah, and that's, that's, oh my gosh. that's way too 14? many. <laughs> it's way too many, but, you know, the parents have to understand too. Like, are you just going for a top team? Uh, and, and you know your daughter's going to outbeat somebody or, you know, uh, um, you're going to be in for a rude awakening, unfortunately, if you're going on a team with 14. Yeah. I would never advise that as a parent myself right. or as a coach. Uh, choose a second team. Get some playing time. Your daughter yeah. needs that that opportunity. Well, that's a great point. Like, if you reverse a perspective here, it's like as a parent, because we're both parents of players yep. too. Like, I don't want my kid to be on a team of like 12 or 13 or 14 because just because I know like, okay, your role, unless I just know your role is for sure is going to be, you know, a, a, a bigger role where you're going to play. If I know you're, there's a good chance you're not going to play. It's like, you know, I'm just practicing at that point. I'm a practice player. So, you know, you really got to figure out, you know, where your kids fit best, what's going to benefit them. They need to play at least some, um, but they may not play a lot, but um, you need to, they need to be on the court at least a little bit in order to make the season worth it. So, yeah. All right, I'm on the next question here. Uh, so what do you do in a situation? Your team qualified, right? But you didn't qualify in the division that they would have wanted based on the competition. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's a lower level division, but you still qualified for nationals. How do you convince your team or some of the girls that, that are thinking about not going yeah. to, to go, to, to pay that extra money, to get that extra practice time and, and go sure I, I think that this all comes down to like what your club's philosophy is and ex- expectations are for qualifying divisions i mean because let's face it there's some teams that if they're a, an open level team and they're trying to qualify an open and maybe let's just say they barely miss it and they don't get it then all of a sudden they get a american bid or what's it patriot not patriot a freedom bid freedom at, freedom <laughs> bid at regionals you know and they're gonna look they're gonna see that as a complete failure you know, and I don't necessarily see it that way, but 
there's a lot of of coaches and, and directors that would see that as well, why we even go, you know, because we're going to go in there and kill all these teams. And, and I get that. But truly, if you qualify at a certain level, that's probably where you should be. You know, I mean, I, I, I could see the argument there going many different ways. But, you know, if you ultimately couldn't qualify an open or even national and you ended up an American, well, why don't you go win American first? Uh, did, did you tell me, oh, well, coach, we won American last year. Okay, well, then maybe, yeah, y'all, you, you underperformed at that point, you know. But, hey, maybe this year we, we won a national or open, but we got American, and your goal should be go win that thing. Go win American and get a medal, and that's my thoughts on it, you know, because you, if you haven't proved that yet, then really you haven't proved that you deserve to be in a higher division. So um, I, I think you shoot high, you know, shoot, you know, great, large expectations, high expectations are good. But until you've proven that you, you've gone and got a medal and maybe won in a division, then uh, go do that first. So just another side question on that, really. So, yeah. what a, what a, so that's the team, right? You kind of say that to the team. What, right. what about an individual that's thinking, and it's kind of one of your better players, <clears throat> she's thinking about not going because she has a, a better opportunity to do extra lessons and uh, clinics versus just going and doing more practice? Yeah, I think that's a very simple answer for me. You know, you committed to this team. Um, this is a team sport. And ultimately, at the end of the day, where the cards fall, here's where we landed. And if you truly care about the team, then you're going you're gonna to go with your team and help them win. That's, that's the way I view team sports. Um, you want to definitely do your part. And if you're a big player and you bail on your team, then I see that as a selfish move. You know, you want to definitely um, commit to your team and be there all the way through to the very end. So that's that's my take on it. But yeah, um, as parents, we're trying to get these girls to have some character as well. And so uh, committing to the team and, and pursuing the end of the season sure. is, is showing character. And if you don't, then yeah, you're not teaching them the best the best way to go about Right. Essentially, you're quitting on the team, I think. Um, yeah. For me, you know, you're, you're going to talk about the extra practice and the, the extra reps that you're going to get by continuing on for a couple more months. But as we always talk about, you kind of get the benefit in real competition. And there's nothing like nationals. If you go to nationals, you'll understand the competition level, regardless of the age, is uh, age and division, is pretty high. So Absolutely. Uh, USA versus American – there's a lot of USA second teams, even top teams in that American division, and it's hard to win. So the girls um, getting the opportunity to compete at nationals with high level teams still mm -hmm. and have the opportunity to step on that podium. I think that's a great discussion point for for your teammates and helping them understand the value of that. So absolutely. It's just a great opportunity for the girls to go and compete at nationals. It's just there's so much camaraderie and it, excitement at nationals. It's just worth the experience to go. And I think, uh, you know, players that will, that are truly care about their team will go and experience that and be all in, you know, the, the entire season. And that, that includes all the way to the end to nationals. So absolutely encourage your girls. That's a, one more, you know, one more way we can do that as coaches is, Hey, you know, we, we set the bar high, but we, we finish strong, right? And encourage those girl, your girls to your players to be um, resilient all the way to the end of the season. I like it. What's your last question, Drew? All right. So my last question, um, it kind of goes a, a little bit along with picking a team, right? And we're going to talk about 
Um, when you take a libero and you want an awesome player back there, right? We want to have like a strong defender. But um, what about if you have two awesome liberos and you're trying to decide, okay, do I want to take one of these girls or do I want to take them both and then have them basically compete the whole season? Because I've done that both ways and I can tell you I've, I've, I've gotten different results. Um, but do you take one or do you take two there and make one into a DS or do you have them compete for that spot consistently through the out, throughout the entire season? What do you, what do you see there? It's <laughs> a, I mean, a good, it's a good decision, Mark. That's questionable uh, on, on, or that's situational rather, because I think if I have two great liberos, I'm taking them both. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm either using them as a double libero uh, or I'm going to use one as a DS and one as a libero. I'm not going to let those those girls go. So the yeah. situational becomes, do I have two outsides that can play all the way around? Then do I have two awesome liberos that can uh, complement each other and, and be on the court? But for me, I'm, I'm taking both liberos. Yeah. So that that was exactly my thought until I did it. <laughs> so this happened to you. Uh, so this has happened to oh, me. Okay. Um, it was actually that 16th year where I had Jada and Kylie. Yep, I remember. And they were both super strong, and I absolutely loved both of those kids. I had another kid, kid too, that um, Bella, who actually played on my school team, and I cut her, and we laughed about that so much later on. Um, probably maybe more me laughing, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she was a great kid. I absolutely loved her too. It. Yeah, she never got over it. But she, she got, you know, I let, I let her go that year and I wish I would have kept her. Um, but, um, Kylie and Jada were both great players, but just the fact that they were going back and forth, back and forth, it did a, like a mental job on both of them. Like Kylie was probably a little bit stronger mentally and she like knew like, oh yeah, I got this. I got this. I got it. And Jada was like, I thought she was going to be on a barrow like the whole season. Um, but you know, Kylie would push her, right? Push her, push her. Maybe she would get some t a little bit of time, but they literally went back and forth, back and forth. And then I saw performance issues a lot with, especially with Jada, because she, um, she knew that like Kylie was on her heels, like so much that like, it was, if I do, if I don't play well, I'm out, you know? So she never like a hundred percent relaxed and played her game. And she, I didn't see that consistent performance with her. Like I expected, I, I thought she would. And I get it because there was so much more pressure on her. Like, oh, if I don't perform, Kylie's in, you know? So when you had that that pressure and then people are going to ask, well, how did Kylie do? Well, Kylie did well, but then there were games she, she didn't play well. So now I'm putting back in my other libero who might, might not be playing well either. And now I've got kind of player, two players that are thinking, oh man, if, if I make, make a mistake, I'm out. So it really made some inconsistent volleyball for my libero position, um, having two stronger liberos, because none of them, neither one of them, were able to really step up until like the very end. And this was the COVID year, right? Mm -hmm. So right before COVID hit, um, we were about to go to Colorado, and I kind of just like Kylie finally just took it over. Like I thought, this is it; she's going to take it over, but. I'll kind of never really know like what would have happened. Right. Cause our season shut down. We obviously didn't get to go to Colorado and then it was, you know, COVID hit and that season was, was cut short. So it was interesting, but anyway, just a different, different perspective. No, different take. And it's because you, you lived through it. And I think yeah. the argument there was, well, you didn't have two great liberos then, right? Uh, not that you knew it ahead of time. 
Yeah. Because I think more of the greatness came from, and this is what you see a lot of is the greatness you see in tryouts. You see the girls yeah. putting their best foot forward mm -hmm. and you see, oh my gosh, I have these great players, but then in practice, they don't really show yeah. as much sometimes, or they might not be as mentally tough. So and I, I think the argument there is, okay, well, what if I didn't take um, Kylie or I didn't take Jada and I didn't take one of them and the other one just, hey, you're libero. Yeah. You settle in, you're libero and, you know, and you know that you're, you've got the spot and you just go out there and play, relax and play. How would they have done, you know, in that situation if they were more individually the libero and maybe I took another DS that maybe they're not quite as good, but they do their job and, you know, they're, they know their role and then the libero knows their role. And I think there's something to be said for that. You know, the players that know, hey, this is my spot. It's my role. Not that I can't be challenged, right? Because if I play bad, obviously we can make adjustments. But just knowing, hey, I got this role. This is what I do. I'm going to go out there and do my job versus, oh, there's constant pressure on me. And I think there's something to be said about that with players handling that that situation and, that, and playing under that pressure versus not having that pressure on them. Does that make sense? You know? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think uh, trusting a player goes a long way and helps them, you know, understand hey, my coach trusts me to do this. And yeah, but I think there's also a, a, another factor though. If you have someone else pushing you, you know, if, if they're not playing well because they're being pushed, how, how good of a competitor are they? Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be said, I think, but um, yeah, that just goes along with this generation. You, right. If you show a little bit of, uh, of, you know, push and, and somebody else is pushing you, like, how are you going to react to it? Yeah. But great questions, man. Do you yeah. have a, do you have another one? Do, you have, do we have time? I think that's it. I think that's, I, I had two, you had two, I think we're going to wrap this session up. Um, but it was, it was good talking with you guys today and I, I had a fun, I, I liked it. I liked the Q and a, it was good. Yeah. Let us know if you guys like that. We'll have to bring it back a couple more times. Absolutely. Get some extra hardball questions there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Signing off.